It's time for episode 332 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, February the 5th, 2020. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, where it's episode C, 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 X, 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 I, I, in Roman numerals. I am Jason Snell, your host emeritus, who is also your host today, and across the internet from me, my once and future and forever co-host in all podcasts ever, uh, Dan Warren. Hi, Dan. Hi, Jason. You should not have signed that contract in blood. What can I tell you? Yeah, I guess so. Well, so, so this is clockwise, and no, I'm not your usual host. Mike, I'm sitting in for Micah Sargent, but he's sitting in for me. Got a long term, so it's all <laughs> it's all fine. Um, and uh, this is the podcast where we've been doing it for, what did I say? C-C-C-X-X-X-I-I uh, episodes, a long time, 30 minutes, four tech topics, two wonderful guests. Let's talk about the guests, why don't we? To my left, one of my very favorite panelists on my de- Dear Departed uh, download. Load podcast uh, from Creative Strategies, Carolina Milanese. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for being on Clockwise. I missed you from not doing download, so I got you on Clockwise. Pleasure. I, I love this format, so <laughs> it's a pleasure. And to my left this week, it is a host on Twitch Smart Tech Today and the maestro of shortcuts himself, Mr. <laughs> Matthew Castanelli. Welcome back, Matthew. Hello. Thank you for having me again. A delight. Welcome, Maestro. Yeah, welcome, Maestro. <laughs> I like that. Maestro of... Oh, okay, let's start. Uh, this week on SixColors.com, I posted my Apple report card survey results. This is listening to 65 people who pay attention to Apple talk about what they think Apple is doing well and not doing well, uh, at least throughout 2019. So we go into 2020 with uh, keeping our eye on Apple, one of the biggest companies out there. Uh, somebody's got to pay attention to Apple. Why not us? So uh, I wanted to ask our panelists, what aspect, I'm not going to do a thorough grading here, but like what aspect of Apple do you think is working the best right now? And what aspect needs the most attention? Sort of like the best and worst of today's Apple. Carolina, what do you think? Best, I think, iPhone plus watch uh, and uh, AirPods. So the combination, if you like, of hardware coming together to deliver an experience. And I think is uh, well versed to taking that to the next level, which would maybe see uh, glasses come in and take some of the time that today is dedicated to uh, the phone. So that's first and and best. Uh, where I think they need to put more attention, and this is always a bit of a, a discussion opening when I say this, um, is Siri and iPad. The idea of taking Siri from being a feature to being a platform, um, I think that that links to AI and how they deliver insights and uh, an intelligent experience across devices, not just on one device. Um, and with that, I think if I if I take the reasoning about making your experience smarter, I think of iPad, where um, the hardware is fantastic. I don't go anywhere without it, but there are parts of it that I wish were different. Uh, some hardware centric, like the keyboard, um, where I think if I could make it a child of an iPad plus a Surface keyboard, I would have my perfect child. Um, 
And then the one that is more important is the software. And, and I, I really want to, um, you know, to see Apple take it to the next level. And I know that, you know, some of it, uh, especially around Siri, I'm sure uh, Matthew has has, uh, a lot of uh, (laughs) (laughs) ideas about how shortcuts play into into Siri, uh, which is true. It's made, you know, shortcuts made it better, but I think there's more of a burden, if you like, on the user than there should be. Uh, top of the line for me would be iPhone hardware engineering. Uh, after this many years, Apple really has it down to a science. And it's not to say that every year's phone is amazingly better than last year's phone, but just the precision with which it builds these devices, it is just, it is unparalleled. I mean, the iPhone 11 Pro and the iPhone 11 are just amazing pieces of hardware. Somehow that Apple managed to eke out even better performance than its previous year with better battery life. It's so, it's so repeatable for them that it's almost boring um but it's it's still the thing that i think that they are the best at and the thing obviously that they uh their customers respond to on the worst end of it this year it's got to be software quality i mean everything shipped with bugs everything shipped with a lot of bugs so uh that great iphone was marred a bit by ios 13's lackluster release uh mac os catalina has still had a bunch of problems um, it's it's just very rough, and it feels like it's something they're not devoting enough time and energy to. Uh, and it's a shame because as good as the hardware is, if the software is not up to par, it really ruins the whole experience. So um, that to me just shows off the the most disappointing part of Apple this past year. I feel like we're all saying the same things right now, but that's okay because I was going to say I think the iPhone hardware and like the camera specifically has been the best improvement for me like i went to ces and i chose not to bring like my whole fancy camera setup and just shot with the iphone in the ultra wide view and that was like an amazing experience especially i also had the battery case and didn't even think about running out of battery once the entire time that i was there so that was fantastic and i think like features like deep fusion that you don't even know are happening but just make your camera like on all the photos that you take better is those have been like amazing this year for sure. Um, and I look forward to seeing that get even better because ultra wide doesn't have like the best light exposure. Uh, my sh- footage was a little bit grainy, but even still it was like, I couldn't have gotten that shot otherwise. Um, I will definitely agree that Siri needs improvements and I probably actually feel this the most because I'm putting in all like, uh, Carolina said, I'm, taking the burden and doing tons of shortcut stuff, but I have to do all this and push it forward. And I want to see that just happen for people a lot more easily because otherwise it's like you have to go to someone like me to even understand how any of it works. So integrating shortcuts with Siri is still pretty complicated. Yeah, these are uh, great answers. Um, in the survey, Carolina was one of the few people to point out the very interesting dichotomy between everybody loving Apple's wearable strategy and nobody really talking about the fact that Siri is supposed to be a key part of it and is seen more as a liability than an asset, which, uh, you know, for Apple's you know fastest growing category, it's an interesting uh, interesting challenge uh, for me. I'm gonna I'm gonna spin it a little bit differently and say I think that the thing they're doing doing best right now is chips. Is is their A series processors, their custom processors that they're putting in. 
in the phone and the iPad, but also the watch and in AirPods. They also just bought Intel's 5G Mm -hmm. uh, chip business and are integrating that. I think that it is one of the ways Apple stays ahead of the game is they're so good at that part of their business. And the flip side of that, of course, is where they're not so good. And it is the software process. And there are lots of things, bugs, uh, slowing down their own third-party developers, which I think doesn't get talked about enough that this last summer, a lot of their most avid developers got stuck fixing bugs and doing compatibility things instead of embracing new Apple features, which is not what you want to see. And the iPad specifically, we've mentioned it a bunch of times. They named it iPad OS. It, you know, is there a commitment there to really push the iPad forward? Because it's got a lot of potential, but it needs more support from Apple on the software side. Anyway, that was uh, fantastic. Uh, that was uh, that was really good. Thank you all for judging positively <laughs> and negatively. Uh, let's move on. Carolina, what is your topic for us? Well, I'm assuming that I wasn't the only one watching the Super Bowl last weekend. And so I uh, thought I asked what people thought about the uh, Google Super Bowl ad Loretta. Uh, the only reason why I watch the Super Bowl is the ads, by the way. So uh, did you think that the Loretta ad was sweet? And oh, you know, heartwarming or just creepy? <laughs> uh, I had to go and watch it actually because I did not watch the <gasps> Super Bowl. Uh, but I'm suggesting uh, perhaps some sort of uh, portmanteau. Could it be sweepy? Crete? Sweepy? Sweepy. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate what they're trying to do. The idea that technology can help you with these things, um, you know, remembering a loved one can be technology at its best. Uh, And that's, I think, speaking for the technology itself. Where it gets tricky is when the company is using that as an advertising point, because I feel like that's where it starts to feel like they're cashing in on your memory. And and tech companies are not alone in that. All companies do that to a certain extent, right? They want to tug your heartstrings. They want to make you feel something so that you run out and buy their product or think about their brand, etc. So I think it's a tough line to straddle. Um, I didn't think that this one was particularly egregious in, in what it was doing any more so than a lot of other commercials, which again, they're all designed to do this. Um, I also don't think necessarily it was the most effective ad either, just because it was kind of uh, the, showing off the capabilities of of products without really talking about what the products are and sort of assuming that you would know the Google Assistant uh, was kind of what they were talking about here. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if it was creepy, it would have been like encouraging you to off your loved ones so you can remember them later. See, at least it didn't get that far. <laughs> Matthew, what about you? Um, it got me. I definitely... so. Like Dan, I did not watch it, and I saw like the tweet of the headline of what people were mad about sort of situation. Of course, that's usually how you get introduced to things these days, but I was all prepared to be like, oh, this is creepy, and then like it's a minute and a half, and so once you get past a minute in, I was like... (gasps) Like it got me a little bit, and I was like, ah, dang it, Google, but I think, um, I mean, one thing is that he intentionally recorded these things. So that's one of the benefits is it it didn't just like listen to him and know these things about him, which is seems to be the case sometimes. Um, But I don't know. I think it is it, like you said, it's both the, the upside of technology, but then it's just like, this would be better as just a video, not like by Google or something like that. If I saw this on YouTube, that would be an, it's an amazing story, but, mm-hmm. and, I, and it is somebody's real grandfather. So I do think it that's is. like, worth noting but i think it it does just like it normalizes some of the stuff 
it's like the good side while also there's still downsides to it that don't get acknowledged as much all right so um everybody uh i'm a monster (laughs) because my timeline on twitter was uh because i watched this live while i was watching the super bowl watching my my childhood football team lose the super bowl and um they my timeline is all like oh i'm crying i'm tearing up wow google that's so amazing and i thought the ad was despicable i hated it i don't think it was crete or sweepy dan okay i i hated it i i felt like it was super manipulative and it's a technology giant trying to get the a, a poor you know a poor old man who's trying to remember his wife um using really like what using weird google tools to do it i like i i, I hated it i hated it i felt like it was gross um and unpleasant and all the worst things about a a Super Bowl ad trying to pull on your heartstrings in order to make you think positively about a company or product that you shouldn't think positively about. So it made me it made me mad. It made me really mad. So anyway, I'm a monster. This is I, I hated it. Okay, so Jason, not a fan. <laughs> not a fan. Um, I I think I'm I I'm with Dan on that. Um, kind of technology can be helpful and i was just thinking about the power of of uh pictures today you know thanks to smartphones i have so many more memories um of my mom that i have my dad my dad passed away to cancer uh 20 years ago and i i just don't have as much as i do my mom is still alive and kicking it's just great but you know i had obviously more years with her with technology and so i have a lot of those memories for me, for the ad itself, it made a difference to know it was a re- based on a real um, life story. I get the point about um, monetizing on people's feelings, but I don't know, maybe wrongly so. I kind of came to accept that this is what brands do nowadays. Um, but I do think the big thing is about almost making the technology disappear right and and uh, to your point dan about it wasn't clear to know what this was i think that was or at least that's how i read it that it is it doesn't matter what you're using is is the power of technology being able to do that so yeah maybe not the most effective and definitely lots of uh, different feelings about this one (laughs) (laughs) very divisive all right. Thank you for your thoughts on that. That brings us to halftime here at Clockwise. And this week's episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Health IQ. At some point in the last couple of years, you've probably created or maintained a healthy habit, whether it's getting enough sleep or working out or just trying to eat the right foods. If you live a healthy lifestyle, you could be rewarded for your hard work with more affordable life insurance rates. And you could save up to 41%. Just take the Health IQ quiz, and then they'll walk you through the entire process of applying. The policy is underwritten by one of their top insurance partners, and there will be a real person at the end of the phone who you can chat to. The savings are exclusive to Health IQ, so you won't find them anywhere else, but you do have to qualify to get that special rate. Me, I have tried so much. I have tried working out a lot. Uh, I do try to eat well and and log my food sometimes when I'm sort of trying to pay more attention to that. I always like to get enough sleep. And and of course, building those into healthy habits are things that can really not only benefit your long-term health, but also your short-term health. So that's all to the good. If you uh, are already building those habits, you might as well check out the quiz. It could end up saving you some money. To see if you qualify, go to healthiq.com slash clockwise to take the proprietary Health IQ quiz. 
Depending on your score, as well as other related qualifying factors, you can save up to 41% on your life insurance premiums compared to other providers. Again, that's healthiq.com slash clockwise to let them know we sent you and start the process with the Health IQ quiz. There's no commitment, and you'll learn even more about potential opportunities to be rewarded for your commitment to living healthy. One more time, that's healthiq.com slash clockwise. Our thanks to Health IQ for their support of Clockwise and all of Relay FM. And with that, halftime has come to an end, and I shall hand it over to myself. Not not to Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> I know, right? And Shakira. We're not doing a big Jason, halftime these this time, hips, These hips don't lie is all I'm saying. <laughs> okay. My hips are pathological liars. Anyway, go ahead, One Dan. hip lies. One hip always tells the truth. Um, so, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, amidst, amidst all of Apple's new services, Apple News Plus has taken a lot of knocks, and now its head of business has just recently departed. My question for you folks is, what can Apple do to save its new subscription businesses? If you were in charge of it, do you have a plan to make this an actually compelling service? Uh, Or is it just not something that's really going to fly? Matthew, kick us off here. Well, um, I feel like this is a little mean, but their head of business lasted as long as my subscription. And I didn't even (laughs) know that my subscription was active. So I was paying for this and not even using it. Thought... I thought I'd canceled it, so that's a shame. Um, I just kind of another found... successful subscription story. <laughs> One happy customer, everybody. I think I was like disappointed there wasn't more of a format for Apple News mm-hmm. beyond just like it or Apple News Plus beyond just magazines in Apple News. Like I thought it was going to be like the typical thing that they say where it's like a reinvention of the whole experience and it doesn't totally feel like that and i feel like i always want to like go through and pick a bunch of articles and save them and the whole save stories thing just is like feels like a single column like i think it just could use some more design touches to improve the service so that it's more than just magazines on your ipad or something like that yeah, I mean, we don't this is only a half hour show Dan, but um <laughs> the uh the app is is bad um and makes the mistake that the Apple TV app actually makes too, which is it's both a catalog of all content and a premium content service mm-hmm. and it's really while mixing them can be nice, it can also be really confusing if you want to jump to the stuff you paid for. Uh so the software needs to get better, which takes us back to our software quality thing. But beyond that, they need to make better deals with publishers. The 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 terms that have been reported seem really lousy for publishers they need to make this a service that publishers want to be a part of they need to provide better technology for their publishers i think they really need to build a system where if you're a subscriber um to apple news plus you get a uh you know newspapers let's say can opt to have that validate a a web login or something like that so it's shared with the existing subscriber login so you can kind of make this a a part of a bigger uh picture because i think that would make a difference and then my final thing would be i think they should buy some stuff and you know we talk about that a lot in terms of apple tv of apple possibly buying studios really they should just buy some newspapers and uh use them as a feed directly into apple news plus build their own news organization that can run independently but is generating a lot of content that is premium and available uh there are a lot of things they could try not all of those things i suggested are going to work but um they need to do something and it starts with uh, a better deal for publishers i'm kind of even worse than matthew because 
I am aware that I'm paying for the subscription and I'm also aware <laughs> I'm not using it. So there you go. Um, and I think part of it, it is really down to some of the things that both uh, Matthew and, and Jason said about design. Um, you know, it's just, it's painful. And, and that is linked to the tools for the publishers and the deal. So why would a publisher uh, do a lot of work to make the content uh, more interesting, uh, more engaging uh, to be seen on Apple News when they're not going to get very much money for it. And when, you know, the subscriber numbers are clearly limited. So I, I think that, it, you know, there's a given definitely better tools, uh, make it more engaging, maybe help them to start with. Um, I, you know, I, I was really excited when I saw the initial launch, but then realized that what they showed on stage was pretty much the only content that was curated for Apple News Plus. And then you looked at the rest and, and you have a very basic um, magazine experience, which is worth on digital than it is on paper, um, especially due to the amount of advertising that these uh, magazines actually have. Um, you know, try and, and look at Vogue or Opera or something like that, and, and it's like seven pages of ads before you mm-hmm. get to the summary page. That's not a nice experience when, uh, when you're doing it digitally because people use digital in a different way than they do a magazine. I'm not sitting at the doctor's office waiting to go in and I flick through a magazine, right? I'm trying to get to the content. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think we can all agree it's firing on no cylinders. Uh, there's pretty much <laughs> nothing going for it at this point, which is surprising. You feel like odds are they get at least some of it right, uh, especially compared to hilariously, like I'm still using my RSS reader and like that at least delivers exactly the things that I want to read in a format that makes them easy to read or save for later or pop out to a web browser, etc. I think the other big problem, as Jason hit upon, is the the publisher deals, because if there's not stuff there that people want to read yeah. and feel feel like they're getting something out of it uh then people aren't going to subscribe right like i for me if i could sign up and get all those you know newspapers that i want to read it under one convenient roof that would be pretty compelling right it's also the most expensive uh, i guess it's the same as apple music but like compared to all the other services apple is offering it's a lot more money for a lot less uh and that is yeah. a that is a problem uh thank you all for your thoughts on that let us go to our final topic which comes from matthew so this is the 10th year of iPad, and I didn't even realize it's been almost five years of iPad Pro come November, but I'm curious, yeah. what do you think is one thing that Apple needs to add in the next five years for the iPad to fulfill the promise of like the future of computing and make that the present of computing? As much as we complain about uh, issues with the iPad, I feel like the iPad is... Um, an incredibly successful new computing platform and it is uh not as successful as it could be because apple hasn't spent quite as much time focusing on it as they should but i i feel like it has more potential than it's being allowed to fulfill uh in the shape that it's in so i think the one thing that um in the next five years apple needs to add if the ipad truly is a vision of the future of computing is other shapes and what i mean is there should probably be an ipad os laptop because mm. people like laptop shapes and whether that's a convertible ipad or whether that's a dedicated laptop that runs ipad os i would like to see them try that i would like them to see them try an ipad os desktop that's like the surface surface studio um 
are there markets for these things? I don't know, but I think with some software tweaks, you could create a simpler, friendlier uh, product that is, uh, in many ways, I, I would argue, more intuitive to uh, novice users than the Mac is because they are so uh, they're full screen experiences, and we're all used to smartphones. I know that that seems strange, but I really do think that they need to explore the uh, how far this operating system can go, and just keeping it in a tablet is going to constrain its potential. I couldn't agree more because <laughs> I do think that the software is really what brings, uh, you know, the iPad to, to life. It's not just the form factor. I totally agree with the idea that the more you get away from tablet just mentally um, and you really are talking about DOS in a different way, you're almost um, giving, but, you know, empowering DOS to be more than it has been. Um, and it's always fascinating to me how um, people see limitations when when you're looking at iPad and they don't actually look at workflow. So it's always the iPad that is has shortcomings versus the, the fact that the way that you might be working doesn't fit that form factor. Uh, and lastly, I think is actually cloud. Um, I, I'm still not sure what Apple wants to do with iCloud, but right now it feels a lot like just a hard drive in the cloud. Uh, but that's where I think the other opportunity is making uh, iCloud better. Yeah, it's hard for me to pick like a single thing. I think that they need to add uh, especially because so much of what feels like it's there just needs to be refined. Uh, in general, I think the most sort of overall compelling thing, and I guess this is kind of cheating because it's a big one, is is to make it do everything that you can do on a on a Mac laptop, essentially. And like, it's pretty close. Like, I would say ninety percent of the stuff that I do. I can do on an iPad fine, but it's those little edge cases uh, around the way, like things like like the podcasting workflow is still a pain. Um, and it's just feels, you know, kind of held back in that regard uh, in a way that you feel like this should be possible. It should be possible for Apple to do this if they just decided they wanted to do it. But I think for me, it's, it is that sort of the parody of, of tasks because I will take my iPad with me in most places I go uh, unless I know I'm doing like one of a handful of things. And I would love to eliminate those last handful of things. And I never have to worry about whether it has all the capabilities of my Mac. So for me, that last sort of 10% of just going around and ticking off these these little limitations, I think is what's going to make the biggest difference on it going forward. Those are all very good answers. Jason, I thought you were saying different shapes. I thought you were meant like a square iPad. Effort. Triangles. It's <laughs> <laughs> triangle. Ah, so like, I don't know iPad. about that. but um, And so I definitely agree. Like the, like the keyboard experience definitely could be approved, like Carolina was saying. I think even like navigating the UI using the keyboard better, kind of mm -hmm. like I saw that kind of came to Apple TV. And I thought that was going to get passed over to the iPad somehow. Um, there's like a little bit in spotlight there, but I want to see that definitely improved. But that's like definitely a small thing too. Um, I also agree, Dan, podcasting, I'm surprised that hasn't happened yet. I mm. feel like that's just like waiting there. Um, but I feel like overall, I think they need some big wins to like continue to draw attention to the fact that it's capable because I think those are the kind of things that make an impression on people. Um and I can't actually remember, Jason or Dan, which one of you wrote this article about like having Final Cut on iPad? Um, oh yeah, I think I feel like yeah. uh, 
how, how committed is Apple to the iPad Pro if Final Cut and Logic aren't yeah, on the iPad right. Pro? Yeah, and I would yeah. I would take like Final Cut, not Final Cut Pro, and like some sort of version where I could work with like the proxies on my iPad and sync it to my Mac. Even something like that, I feel like, would just make your device more capable while not like an iPad won't be able to do some of the stuff that Final Cut Pro can do because of just the power it needs and things like that. So I'm super interested because I feel like the like next five years are going to be a lot more interesting, especially because it, it really has only been five years of iPad Pro. And so it's very, very good at the casual iPad stuff now, but they've still got time to go with that one. All right. That is four topics down. I think we have just enough time for a bonus topic. Jason, what is this week's bonus topic? Really quick, we mentioned Super Bowl ads earlier, and I was a monster. Let's get more positive now. Did you have, if you looked at the list of the Super Bowl ads, or maybe watched them on YouTube, what was your favorite? What's a good Super Bowl ad this time? Carolina? For me, it was the Budweiser Typical American, and I actually think that should be played internationally after news. Uh, Jason, I think you know what what I'm going to say, but I I park my car, I unpark my car, and did you use smart I use smart pack, uh, <laughs> and even though all those people are from Boston and one of them grew up in the same <laughs> suburb as me, none of them sound like that. <laughs> no, um, I'm really glad no one took the only other one that I saw, which was the um, I'm going to say Amazon Echo as to not trigger everybody's choices. But. <laughs> and you were all very nice enough to leave my choice there on the board for me to pick now, which is uh, some ad executive looked at the calendar and said, hey, you know, the Super Bowl Sunday is going to be on Groundhog Day. Why don't we mm-hmm. call Bill Murray's 800 number and get Bill Murray and a bunch of other cast members uh, back and reprise the movie Groundhog Day uh, and with a Jeep commercial, and it was great. And Stephen Tobolowsky's in it, and Brian Doyle Murray's in it, and the Groundhog's in it. They got the Groundhog, everybody. Uh, I loved it. Uh, and that brings us to the end of this episode of Clockwise. Carolina Milanese, thank you so much for uh, for being here. Always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. And Matthew Castanelli, thank you so much for being here. Thanks. It's been a great time. And thanks to everybody out there for listening to this episode of Clockwise. Uh, We'll be back next week. Well, the podcast will be back next week. I probably won't be. Uh, But until then, remember your Roman numerals and watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. (laughs) Bye, everybody.